Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 64 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. You can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod, follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and Andrew at AMCQ82. On this episode, Andrew and I are going to spend a lot of time going over the ADPs of a bunch of first-year player drafts. We're going to give our thoughts on the players, and I, I think I'd say right now this is probably a show that we've both been looking forward to for a while. Andrew spends all, all winter diving into all these guys, and I do too, but not to the extent he does. And we're, he, He's ready. We're ready to put it out there for you all to hear. This is one of the best Dynasty podcasts we will do each year. So if you play Dynasty Leagues, this is definitely the podcast for you. And I will say it's a labor of love. Andrew does a ton of work all winter. And over the course of the past week or two, getting the spreadsheet, getting write-ups done. So before we get into that, though, this is the last chance to enter a drawing for a Baseball 365 t-shirt that Andrew and I are giving away. All you have to do is leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever platform you use to listen to our show. Leave the rating, take a screenshot, and send it to me, either through the Baseball365 Twitter or on Messenger, and we'll get you added to the list, uh, to the drawing for that shirt, which I think we're going to try to draw for next week on the show. All right, now let me introduce Andrew McQuiston. And Andrew, my question is simple this go-around. Is this the podcast you look forward to most during the year? Yeah, it's up there. I've been definitely been looking forward to it. Put a put a lot of work into the spreadsheet and getting everything together for uh, for the ADPs and stuff. So should be should be fun. It may be the episode you look forward to the most and look forward to be over with the most too. <laughs> <laughs> but we got a lot to go into, so we're not going to mess around today. We're going to just try to hammer this out. We've got 50 names li- on a listed here, and we may even talk about more. But So my first question to, to you concerning these is really how the qualifications work for a player to be eligible for a first-year player draft list. Would you explain that? Yeah, so basically what I did was um, went through a bunch of dynasty leagues and uh, formulated the first-year player draft based off of – or the ADP based off of just the first-year player draft players. And what I did was I removed the non-first-year player draft players. So there's – you know, there's guys in – I guess I guess the reason – the reason I did it was just because there it's inconsistent league to league. There's different guys that are available in different leagues. So I just wanted it to be consistent across the board. So all of the numbers that we'll be talking about on this podcast tonight and that are on the spreadsheet are just solely based on the order that the first year player draft players were taken. Uh, what that is, is players who were drafted in the, MLB draft in June of last year and July two guys. So like the international players that were signed in the uh, international signing period. So any of those, obviously, like I said, there were other guys available in every league, but 
those guys won't be included in, in this. The, this spreadsheet's beautiful, and we'll put it out there now. Um, Andrew has is going to share the spreadsheet with the group on Facebook, in our Facebook group, Baseball 365. As soon as we make the post advertising the show, I think Andrew's going to put it out sometime shortly afterwards. So if you want to see it, it's a thing of beauty, and you'll see just how much time he's put into this spreadsheet. Okay. Well, next thing, what are your thoughts on this class as a whole this year? Do you find it top-heavy, deep, weak? How do you view it? I think it's pretty good. I like it a lot at the top, and I heard a lot of people saying that they wanted picks high in the first round because it dropped off drastically, and I didn't really really agree with that. I thought there was – it was – kind of top heavy and kind of deep and there was guys that I felt like you could get later on that uh, were interesting too so I thought it was a good good class overall yeah I agree with you early on I was thinking this is a draft where you want to have one of the first three to five picks but I picked late in, in one draft I had the like nine ten hole and I as I and actually I picked 10 11 and 14 in the draft even though I traded some of those picks away I was looking at those spots thinking man I see some quality here so I'm with you on that to where it wasn't quite as shallow as I originally thought yeah okay just just to be clear too for everybody that's listening every one of these leagues I got um, I've got 14 leagues Jeez. that I uh, that I did the ADP for. Basically, what I did was it started off kind of being a – I was just keeping track on a spreadsheet of who was available in each of my leagues, and then I knew I was going to do ADP for this. So I just started doing it and getting other leagues and stuff like that. But 14 leagues, uh, the they are all 15 to 20 teams keep forever dynasty leagues and six of them are average and eight of them are OBP and it'll be listed on the, on the spreadsheet, what the leagues are, which ones are, which stuff like that. So. Okay. Last question as we're getting ready to start here and read off number one, how many players went for first overall in these drafts that you pulled? There were four. Do you want me to name them now, or do you want me to say it kind of as we go through the names? That's ah, all right. We'll do it as we go. I was curious. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring it up as we go. It's it's the first four guys, so we'll obviously well, that get, makes it get to them pretty. We'll get to them pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Well, number one with an ADP of one point four three is Jason Dominguez with the New York Yankees. Signed with them last July as a sixteen-year-old, just turned seventeen a few weeks back. His tools are so tantalizing that he's been dubbed the Martian. And Andrew, I had the number one pick in Rotomasters 2, and a few weeks ago, I took Dominguez. And if you had the 1-1 pick, because I don't think you did in any leagues, because you have strong dynasty teams, are you taking Dominguez, or would you be taking somebody else? Yeah, I would be definitely taking Dominguez. Um, there is just so much hype with this guy. I mean, big, 
big J two signing for the for the international class for the Yanks. Uh, they signed him for five point one million. Most of the Yankees have ever given an amateur. Huge tools, huge upside. Uh, yet to make his pro debut. I mean, really, um, it's not so much about what he will wind up doing as it is the value that he has, especially in trades. Um, in these 14 leagues, or of these 14 leagues, he went first in nine of them. So just to give you an idea, second and four. That's a good and third and one. So, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? You're the one that got him. So I should probably let you talk about him. You know, it's funny because I listened to a lot of podcasts and was looking this over. You know, I've had the number one pick since the end of the season. It wasn't, it was a pick I had traded for and he ended up getting the number one spot. So I've had plenty of time to think about this. And originally, I was planning on going with somebody else's. If you had asked me September-ish, when, if I had the number one pick, would I, who would I be taking? I would not have said him. But Who would you have said? T- at the time, I was, I was on Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn okay. was my number one. But okay. I kept thinking about it as I was listening to people talking about him and Ben Babler and how – and other people talking about his skills. And I thought, you know what, even though I, every ranking I see him out there as the number three guy right now, this is as of last fall, I think I would hate to miss him because I had the first and third pick. It bothered, it would bothered me a lot more if I lost him than Vaughn or somebody else. So I decided before I ever even saw a ranking that I think I'm just going to take Dominguez number one and then take whoever gets to me at number three. At the time, I thought that was going to at the. Uh, we'll get into that part in a bit, actually. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, w- when I saw him in several spots there early on, it was like in the fall or you know August, September, maybe October. When I saw him at like three, I'm like by March or February, I guess when we do the drafts, he's going to be one. I just knew he would be. <laughs> I remember I remember a while back, me and you having a conversation. I don't actually know if you remember this. I'm kind of springing it on you. But I remember you were like, there's a clear top oh, yes. two or something. And oh, yes. I was driving to work. I specifically remember this. And I'm thinking, he's thinking Vaughn and Rutschman. And what he doesn't realize is it's going to be Dominguez in about four months. So I was just kind of <laughs> laughing. But I knew you'd realize it once the time came. And obviously it did. So. Yes, I remember you and I talking last summer about a trade offer. I was talking about trading for like the number four or five pick. And I told you at the time, I'm like, "Ah, I see the top two as the the top tier. And I don't know what it's going to be like after that. I don't think it's going to be that strong. And I am going to use that conversation you and I had where you were saying, we don't know. It's too far away to be saying things like that. I'm going to remember that conversation going forward as the years go on, that what I think I know in July is not what I'm going to know in January. Yeah, so, I, don't even, yeah. I don't even think about it too much during the season, partially because, I mean, there's baseball going on, and I, I don't have to worry about these guys until we get to the offseason anyways, at least for the leagues that I'm in, you know, so – it just isn't as big of a deal, but I kind of knew he would just continue to trend up, and obviously uh, that was the case. 
I definitely thought it was pretty wild that he went three and uh, it was real fake dynasty. I actually should read off the leagues real quick. I'm just going to do it. It was uh, so the 14 leagues, it's Roto Masters one, Roto Masters two and Roto Masters three. Those are the three that I commission. Uh, real fake dynasty, which Walter McMichael runs. I'm also in that league, but I don't commission it. Uh, Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, a bunch of industry people. Uh, Baseball 365 Daily Dynasty League, that's Dynasty League that Justin's in. And then we've got Solar Storm and The Foul Show, which were given to me by Steve Trapani and Jared Renfro, at, both in Baseball 365, good buddies of ours. Uh, the Copycat Dynasty League, which was given to me by Mike Cangiano. And then DL1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, which are all P361, uh, started by Rich Wilson, and all 15-team average or OBP. So most of these are 15-team. There's a few 20-teams sprinkled in. So Dominguez, you know, like you said, it's almost like you're not drafting in a way for – to hold on to him for four years. I mean, you might, you might not, but you're right about the fact that, cause there are people that'll say, I don't want a 16 year old who's four years away, but what I think I, I want to circle back to this cause it matters a lot here. You're not drafting Dominguez solely to sit and wait on him for four years. If you, ha- if you don't have to, you can sit there Correct. and move this guy over the next year or two. He may be, he may be, shoot up and have Wanda Franco level trade value here in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you think of Dominguez, it really doesn't matter. I heard one trade that he was traded straight up for Jose Ramirez. <laughs> wow. And so it kind of just gets to that point where it's like, it doesn't really matter what you think of Dominguez mm-hmm. because like, obviously we know what Jose Ramirez is and, I'm sure there's other ones out there. I've heard several crazy ones. That was probably the craziest. But that's the reason why you take him one is because you can do all that. What do you think? I meant to ask you, and then we'll move on to two. What do you think of his size? You see that video I was talking about? Yeah, that was the last thing I was going to circle to where you mentioned. I mean, the guy looks like he's already in his man body and he's just turning 17 to where – you know, usually when you're seeing somebody 17, you're saying they can project to grow into this body and become a big guy. He already is. And, yeah, that could be a concern. I mean, there there's two ways to look at this. There's Giancarlo Stanton who came up, and he was he was this huge bodied guy. And, you know, the speed does, never really showed much speed because of that. And maybe the speed could leave him as he goes is he's just a uber-sized guy. There's also Mike Trout which that's not really fair to ever compare him, but Mike Trout's been huge forever and kept running and you really don't know, but yeah, Mike Trout, I wouldn't view it Mike as a Trout, good thing. Mike Trout wasn't that big at 17 though. No, no. I mean, this guy, I, when I saw that video, I believe it was on his birthday, probably about yep. three, three weeks ago. And yeah, he's full. He's a full grown man. I mean, I, I can't imagine that in, a few years, you know, a few years down the line when he debuts age 20, 21, I would guess that he's going to have speed. I mean, maybe yeah. in that first year or two, but I don't know. So I was definitely, I was definitely concerned when I saw that at least a little bit, it was like, Whoa, but I mean, not enough that it changes that much right now. It's just something to kind of keep in your back, back your head. So. Yep. 
Okay, number two, we'll move on to Andrew Vaughn, the first baseman for the White Sox. He's got a 2.21 ADP in your draft list. Uh, college bat, who I hear has developed well and should be one of the first guys up in the majors out of this class. So, Andrew, for you, is he your number two guy? Uh, I was – you mean like on my personal list? Yes. So – I, I spent a lot of the, I mean, I knew Dominguez for me was one and I spent a lot of time kind of debating between two, three, and four. I think they're interchangeable, but the thing is, is I didn't have to ever make that decision. So I didn't think that hard about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just didn't have to do it. I mean, in the earliest I picked in my four drafts was fifth. And the guy I had at five, I got at five. He's actually four on this list, but we'll get to him. Uh, Vaughn, advanced college bat, probably the safest place player on the board or close to it. Simple swing, classic masher. I mean, he's a right, right, right first baseman, so I always have a little bit of question there. He's okay in his pro debut, not spectacular, probably flies through the minors. Uh, I mean, what did you have him at two? Where did you have him it's kind of the same boat. I probably did have him at two, but I don't know if I, I like I picked first and third in Rotomasters two, and I knew I was taking Dominguez one, and I was pretty much ninety nine percent certain that Andrew Vaughn was going two. So I really didn't have to think about it and just figured out it would be the next guy would be the the number three over guy, all guy was going to be the guy I took. But if I the second pick, I probably would have spent some time thinking hard about it. It's not one of those yeah. that I think is a clear thing. So, yeah, I think I would have taken Vaughn's second, but I don't know until I've, I, I'd have to have been under in that situation and know for sure. Yeah, there was uh, in Rotomasters one, there was a situation where the guy had the second, third, fourth, and fifth overall picks. He traded for a ton of first-round picks, basically took over a team and just, you know, rebuilding it and stuff. And he took two, three, and four, the next three guys that we're going to mention, and he traded five with Vaughn on the board. And I just messaged him. I'm like, so you're down on Vaughn, huh? <laughs> and we just had a <laughs> We just had a brief conversation about it, but I mean, he had so many picks, he could just kind of have his pick of the litter, but uh, yeah. And apparently like his said, pick I, of the litter was not Vaughn. Right, correct, yeah. I I, uh, I think it's close, like I said, with these few guys, and I think you could put them in probably any order. Vaughn went first in three of the drafts, and then second, third, and a bunch, fourth and one, fifth and one, so... Okay, and the the guy we're talking about that I took number three overall has a 3.1 ADP, and that would be C.J. Abrams with the Padres. Sixth overall pick in this last um, 2019 draft, and his stock went up significantly after he really impressed in the AZL, enough so that the Padres gave him a promotion to low A, and he got two games in before hurting his shoulder diving into a base. So wasn't really a big, didn't didn't get a play too long in low A, but... Hit tool really showed well, and he exploded up lists. Uh, Abrams went one in in one league, um, and so my question for you: Could you even justify him going number one overall? 
Uh, you could justify it, I suppose. I mean, I definitely think he's two or three or four. You know, I mean, he's in the conversation. I mean, it just if you're not a big trader and that's your guy, then I suppose 80 grade runner uh, up the middle athlete should grow into more power. As a teenager, I found this fascinating. As a teenager, he once went, C.J. Abrams once went 113 consecutive at-bats without swinging and missing at a pitch. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty incredible there. Hit 401 in the AZL, won MVP of the league, got promoted to Fort Wayne, like you said. Like you said and uh, I think he only played two games there. I've got, yep. a, I've got a story in a little bit about Something to do with C.J. Abrams. We'll get to it. But, uh, but yeah, broke a bone in his left shoulder, and um, that was pretty much the end of this, his season. It was close to the end of the year when that happened. Or it didn't break, break a bone. I'm sorry, bone bruise. Uh, perfect skill set for fantasy if more power develops. What do you think? Would you, you think you'd have taken Abrams over Vaughn, or you're not sure? I'm not sure. I would have had yeah. to have been in that spot. I, uh, Abrams has more fantasy-friendly tools. That's also further away, lower minors, as compared to the guy who has potential to have really good tools, but Abrams just got a higher ceiling. And yeah. I would have just had to have been in the spot. I, I love Abrams and everything I'm reading about him. The bat-to-ball skills, the speed, power could develop, whether it does or doesn't. This guy seems to be an 80-grade runner who can fly to where it's impressive. Do you Do you worry at all about the fact that He's a shortstop who is in the Padres system where Tatis and Machado are there. No. I don't either. No, so, that, that stuff will work itself out. I never I never think about that stuff because guys move around and get traded and don't reset. You know, it, it'll work itself out. I'm not worried about that at all. Do you think if he was an outfielder, his value is lower? Maybe slightly, but not really. No. Minimum. I don't fa- I don't factor in positions. We'll get to that when we get to one of the questions, but Yep. Okay. And by the way, I agree with you. Just asking the question to get it out there. All right. Yeah. Number four, Adley Rutschman, the with the Baltimore Orioles, the catcher, the top pick in the 2019 draft. And for a while it, like I said, it was Adley or Vaughn for the number one slot in first year player drafts. Now, you know, six, eight months later, Adley's here at four. My question for you, did his stock fall, or was it more of the Dominguez and Abrams stock moving up? It was more of the other guys moving up, I think. I don't think Rutschman's stock has really fallen at all. I, I think he's the same guy that we've always thought. It's just the other guys have kind of skyrocketed, and that's understandable, too. Uh, led Oregon State to the College World Series title in 2018, and in 2019 won the Baseball America College Player of the Year. 411 batting average, 575 on base percentage. Probably the best catching prospect since Buster Posey. Advanced framing, advanced or above average pop times. Should hit for average in power. I mean, he, you could argue along with Vaughn that he's the safest guy in in this draft. So, I uh, I actually got. Oh, go ahead. Nope, keep going. I actually got him at five in. Rotomasters three, I I was picking fifth, and Rutschman's fifth on my board, below the next guy. Um, it's it's mostly a catcher thing. I I used I've made jokes about uh, 
Baltimore catchers busting because of uh, Matt Wieters. <laughs> but I mean, I honestly, I think Rutschman's going to be a stud. Uh, I it's like I said, it's just a catcher thing, and these other guys with uh, with some five category potential, I just like a little bit more. But I was sitting at five in uh, Roto Masters three. It's twenty team OBP with one catcher, and I have Bart, and I was hoping that Rutschman would go in the top four, and I wouldn't have to really think. I I didn't I don't care that much that I have Bart, but obviously there will come a point where I can only play one. I'm not really too worried about that yet. I do think Rutschman's better than Bart. And um, after a short deliberation, I took him at five pretty gladly. So I feel good about him. I think he's very safe, and I think he's a stud. Do you by any chance remember what Jim Callis said a couple about a month or two ago? I heard it on a podcast where he was talking about if Adley Rutschman was not a catcher, basically what his bat reminds him of. Mark Teixeira. Yeah, 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 I heard that. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty crazy to think of a Mark Teixeira type bat in a catcher position. Yeah, Man. yeah. The one one thing with Posey it, or with uh, with Rutschman is I, I've heard just some talk about how you know he could be the next Posey or better than Posey, and I do agree with that. But what a lot of times when people are making the Rutschman argument and they what they don't say is. C.J. Abrams could be Trey Turner. Bobby Witt Jr. could be Trevor Story. Andrew Vaughn could be Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, name random, name whatever random first base you want to name. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, like, yeah, Buster Posey was valuable in fantasy for when he was, but so were those other guys too. So I just don't think it's a good thing to dismiss those comps if you're going to throw that type of comp on on Rutschman. Yeah, and not only that, catchers can take a while to develop as they're trying to work on both sides. They're not just working on hitting. They spend a lot more time working on their pitch framing, defense, pitchers, and sometimes the bat gets behind a little bit. So while the skills are all there, there is risk. And not only that, position player you're getting 155 games a year out of you're not getting that out of a catcher unless the name's Yadi Molina even then I don't think that's true I think it's but it's still you're just not going to get the amount of games and they're going to wear down quicker I will yeah. say this I will say this I do hope with all sincerity that Adley Rutschman pans out because Baltimore needs it like yes they, they really do. they really really need that franchise cornerstone and I think he can be it I'm rooting for him. I, I hope I hope he is, truly. Agreed. Okay, number five. We mentioned him before. You mentioned him already. Bobby Witt Jr., average ADP of 471 here. He was drafted as a 19-year-old high school prospect, and he has tools for miles. He's a superstar tools with the power and speed, but the question mark is the hit tool. And it's probably the main reason he isn't number one on this list right now. Andrew, I know you love getting guys with upside, so where are you at with Witt here? Pretty high. I I would have him in the two to four range. Um, he's – I mentioned to a couple of you guys, I know definitely you, but I think that Bobby Witt Jr. is the most likely of anybody on this list to go 30-30 in the major leagues. 
I don't think mm-hmm. Abrams will have the power to do it. I don't think Dominguez probably will wind up having the speed. He could early on, but I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to have both. And, you know, there's some questions with the hit tool, I suppose. I mean, super athletic frame reminds some of Troy Tulowitzki. Also, like I said, he's kind of gotten some Trevor Story comps too. Five-tool talent. I mean, if he can make enough contact, he could be the most well-rounded player in the draft. More power than Abrams, like I said. Um, Yeah, I think... I, I'm not put it this way. A short stint in the ACL with some with some concern on his swing and miss isn't enough for me to just brush him off. I remember hearing, and I don't know, it might have even been that same podcast, but Callis was talking about mm-hmm. Whit and Abrams, and you know he was basically saying like Abrams obviously had a better year last year. But when they evaluated these players going into the draft, they evaluated Bobby Wood Jr. above C.J. Abrams. And yep. to, change, to change that off of a small sample like that, you know, a partial season in the low, low minors, I, I don't know if it's right. I mean, yeah, it just – I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be awesome. I true, I really do. Yeah, I was listening to that, and it gave me a little pause. Yeah, I think I listened to that the day before the Rotomasters 2 Dynasty startup or Dynasty draft, the fir- the sub-draft. It gave me pause for a bit. I think I would take Wit above Adley also. I was thinking about all that. I didn't. I wasn't in that spot, so I never had to. But I'm still taking Abrams over him personally. I get anybody taking Wit even as high as number two, I get. I, oh, yeah. Really, if you, if you want to take him one, okay. Probably wouldn't do that, but yeah, yeah, he's got, there, the, he's got as high of upside as anybody. Like you said, there was there was points in the off season where I was thinking about having him number two, and like I said, I just I never really had to make that decision, so I didn't stress about it too hard. Yep. So okay, that gets us out of the top five. Do you feel like that's the end of a tier, or do you feel like this next guy's still in this tier with these guys? Yeah, I think that that is the end of the tier. Just just to uh, give some context, in the 14 leagues in this ADP that I did, that was the top five in some order in 12 of them. <laughs> so wow. there was two leagues out of 14 where someone else got into the top five and uh, in both cases, Wit was six. So, but yeah, that's the consensus top five. And we will move on to number six here. That's Corbin Carroll, the outfielder with the Arizona Diamondbacks, ADP of 6.8. And Carroll's a speed guy who also has seen a rise in stock on fantasy lists since the draft. Andrew, you were, like I said, you were fortunate enough to grab him with pick seven in Rotomasters 2. Tell everyone your thoughts on him. So, Corbin Carroll went 16th pick in the draft. Diamondbacks, sprays line drives all over the place. Smallish frame, 5'10, 165. That's kind of the knock if there is one on him. Uh, cover a lot of ground in center field, double plus speed. Stole 18 of 19 bases in. 42 games in his pro debut with a 15% walk rate. Uh, 
kind of profiles as a top of the order guy. Really, really similar to me to uh, the other Diamondbacks outfielder prospect, Alex Alec Thomas. Uh, very similar. Uh, yeah, I mean, he has fantasy-friendly tools. It really just comes down to maybe a little bit of how much power he develops. But, yeah, he definitely has a lot of speed and can hit. He was six on my board, and I got him at seven in Rotomasters, too. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, two things that's hard to find as a combo, a guy who can hit with speed. So, yeah, good hitter, good player. And yeah. So we're act, um, moving on. We got Riley Green at number seven, seven point seven nine ADP. The outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. He was the fifth overall pick in the prep draft last year as an eighteen-year-old. I hear he's a hit tool guy, and the question really seems to be how much of the power will develop. And I have to admit, I have Green quite a bit lower on my personal list. If I was making a ranking, I kind of worry if this guy is a better real outfielder than a fantasy one. So personally, I think I'd have him blow a few of these guys down that we'll be talking about as we move down this list. But where are you at on green? I had him right in this spot. Uh, seen by some as the top prep hitter in the draft, just pure hitter, smooth left-handed swing, average speed, prototypical corner outfield, maybe right field. Though he did, he did play some center field last year. Uh, hit and power will both have to click, obviously, because he's probably not much more than an average runner at best. But I think it will. Uh, I think he's really good hitter. I do like him real more for real life than fantasy. I think, but if they both click, I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be valuable. So I have uh, I have a little bit of a story with two of these guys that I wanna wanna bring up if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. So last year it was, it had to be in August, I want to say mid August. I was, it was my off day. Thursday is my off day. And I was out for lunch and I decided I was going to go see a game. And I was trying to think, I'm like, who could I go see? And I was looking at the schedule and I was between two options and they're both about the same distance away. One was to go see C.J. Abrams in Fort Wayne, who had just been promoted to low A. And the other one was to go see Riley Green in West Michigan, who had just been promoted to low A. C.J. Abrams had played two games in low A. Riley Green, it was his first game. So I'm like debating it, you know, and trying to decide. And I opted to go see Abrams because the following week, Riley Green was had a home game. So I'm like, well, I could go next week if I wanted to, but I couldn't see Abrams the following week. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving to the game. It's about, uh, from where I was at, it was about a two and a half hour drive. Uh, two to two and a half hours, I would say. And I'm driving to the game. And, and my main worry when I do something like this is the guy better play. Like he has to yep. be in the lineup, you know? And, you know, you assume he is, but, I mean, in, in the minor leagues especially, guys just sit out. You know, you go to a major league game, you're not that worried if, like, Anthony Rizzo or Paul Goldschmidt sits out of the game. You know, you just, like, watch the game anyways, and it is what it is. But I'm going there to see C.J. Abrams. I'm not going there to see 
Fort Wayne tin caps, you know? So I get about 30 minutes from the stadium and I'm refreshing Twitter to confirm the lineup. And I get the confirmation and CJ Abrams is not in the lineup. Mm. And I am, I am like, just so annoyed, you know, I'm like, what have I done? I've spent all this time. So anyways, I, I, I was thinking about turning around and not going, but I'm like, you know what? I'm already, I was a half hour from the stadium. I was already gone away. So I decided to go, got there, watched the game, saw Reds prospect, Mike Ciani, a few other guys, Tukapita Marcano, Padres middle infield prospect, a few other guys, but nothing like CJ Abrams, you know, and was just disappointed, came home. And after I got home after this long night, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go look and see what Riley Green did because I was going to, that was the other option. Riley Green had an inside the park home run (laughs) in, in his, in his first low a game. He had an inside the park home run and a diving catch in the outfield. (laughs) And I just closed my laptop and I went and I went to bed. Yeah, it's like I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was like everything just came full circle, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" The one good thing was I did get a, Abrams to sign a ball at the game, but uh, that was the only good thing that happened that night. So, you know what? That might have made it worth it to me. I, I like collecting stuff like that. That yeah, is pretty it was, cool. It was cool. I caught him in the dugout and just kind of like got over there. Nobody really, there was like two other guys that knew who he was, you know, it wasn't, he was just kind of standing in the dugout, but, but yeah. You said he had played two games, so he was hurt then, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, but the reports really weren't out that he was hurt. I mean, I was refreshing, I was refreshing CJ Abrams and Fort Wayne Tin Caps, Twitter, everything, you know, and uh, yeah, he had played two games and I was like, there's no way he's going to sit. Like I just... I just didn't think that the odds of him sitting were high, you know, and I didn't find out until like the next day that he was injured. That was so. going to be my next question. When did you find yeah. out? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, bummer. At least you got a ball. Yeah. But could have started right. inside the park homer too. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Moving on. We'll move on to JJ Bleday, the outfielder for the Miami Marlins at 8.4 ADP taken fourth overall last summer by the Marlins. And when I was reading into him, I hear he's got really good makeup and baseball. America gives him a 60 grade on the hit and power, which that's nice. Hard to find. And Andrew, I don't think you and I have really discussed blood day at all yet. So whatever you say here will be new info to me. So what are your thoughts on him? I had him a little bit lower than this on my list. I want to say I had him, 11 or 12. Uh, he, he led all division one hitters in home runs last year with 27. So, so pro debut. It was the, uh, Florida state league, which is ridiculously slanted towards pitching. Um, it's not, it's just not good hitting environments and it was an aggressive assignment. So he should spend most of this year in double a, uh, and he, and he, he just needs to hit this year. It, last year, uh, just you know, kind of, kind of mediocre pro debut. Uh, my one, my I guess my biggest thing with Bladé, and I have this 
this type of thing with several prospects, but I'm just a little bit concerned as to how things will turn for him if he has a bad year this year or if he has just a so-so year this year. 22-year-old prospect, not that that's old, but I remember that having this conversation when we were talking about Victor Victor Mesa last year, uh, and obviously they're very different players, and Bladé's bad is more advanced and stuff like that. I get all that, but when you're a 22-year-old just breaking into you know the early stages of your pro career, you kind of have to take off. I mean, like if he struggles this year, then next year he's a 23-year-old, mind you, with no speed. And that's actually what I meant to mention at the top. An outfielder with no speed prospect, the hit and the power just have to come together. And, I mean, if he has a tough year, it's, it's going to be tough for him, I feel like. I, I'm not saying he will. I mean, he definitely could crush this season you know it it wouldn't surprise me but if he doesn't I I just think his value is going to take a hit and that's why I would have him a little bit lower but he could be totally fine yeah I I've right right when you just said he needs to hit immediately I my first thought before you even said it was like Victor Victor last year so I was on the same page there with you yeah and he Uh, like I said he his bat is more advanced than that. It was just, I thought of that because we mentioned it and then you saw what Mm -hmm. happened with him. It's just guys like that. I just feel like they, if they stall in like double a they're especially their value within their, within your dynasty league. Like nobody wants those guys. I mean, it just, their value tanks. So. Yeah. It's a little different whenever it's like a 18, 17 year old kid who struggles in their first stint, Like, like George Valera. People say people, you know, his stock went down a little bit as last year went on because of his strikeout rate, but he still holds a lot of value right now, and a lot of oh, people yeah. still fully believe he's going to be a stud because he did he's do it struggling as an 18-year-old. If you do it as a 22-year-old, much different story. Yeah. All right, number nine, Eric Pena, the outfielder for the Kansas City Royals with a 9.79 ADP. He's one of the biggest biggest risers in fantasy circles since last summer. I think it was Ben Babbler who got a video of him last fall and was singing his praises. And just like Jason Dominguez, Pena just turned 17 this past, in the, this past month. Uh, I grabbed him in Rotomasters 2 draft a couple weeks ago, and things I was hearing about him sort of felt like he's a good power hitter startup kit, this guy. Good prototypical corner outfielder there. Talk to us about Pena, Andrew. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the top J two players in the 2019 international class. Uh, tall, lean body, six three one eighty, with the ability to hit and hit for power. Uh, the hype has risen since he signed, which is a good thing. He looked good in instructs last fall. Probably won't run much once he fills out. So, just something to. Uh, Something to consider there, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, smart people that are totally in on Eric Pena. I would have him at, I think I had him at 10, but I definitely like him. There's a couple guys similar to this we get to soon that I like a little bit more, but uh, yeah, Pena is very interesting. And if he, if he starts this season hot, his value is going to explode. No doubt about it. Yep. 
Yeah. Completely agree. If he, however his year goes, I mean, he has the potential to just absolutely shoot up these, this list, but he's also a young, unproven kid who I think baseball America had him with a 55 hit on the tool. So how he's got to keep, he's got to hit well. And that's the big question with him. Like you said, the power is there. Okay. Uh, Actually, we'll move on to number 10 here. And that would be Hunter Bishop, the outfielder for the Giants, with a 10.7 ADP. Another toolsy player here, Andrew, but I hear there's some swing and miss in his game. When researching him, what did you find? Yeah, definitely some swing and miss. Uh, Giants first-round pick out of Arizona State. Uh, He can take walks, though. Had 38 walks in 32 pro games last year, and he can run, which is... Makes him interesting. Uh, just ultimately, it just comes down to how much contact he makes. Uh, B- Baseball America gave him a forty hit tool, so it'll kind of give you an idea. Cool. Uh, but he can he can do the rest. I mean, six five, two ten, big physical specimen, seventy raw power. I mean, he he's interesting. It just it'll just come down to the hit tool and how much contact he makes. So, so in an OBP league, would you have him a little higher than you would in a batting average league then? Uh, maybe a touch. About maybe, the same spot? maybe a touch. Probably probably about the same, though. Third, I think I had him at, or at 10. I think I had him at 13. So okay. I'd have him, I think, in a comparable spot. With some of these guys, whether it's average or OBP, unless it's really, really drastic, like something that I something where I feel like they're close to the majors and it's really drastic, I don't pay that much attention to it because a lot of these guys you're going to be trading and moving on from in some way, shape, or form. Some of them are going to bust and you're just going to completely get rid of. You know, and if you trade them away, I mean, it's a weight anyways, so... I don't know. I don't think about that too much when ranking guys in like average versus OBP. Okay, that's fair. Okay, well, this is where we're going to cut off this episode, first half of this podcast. Andrew and I definitely went at length, so I'm going to cut it off here, and we're going to come back and talk about the rest of these prospects in this first-year player draft on this next episode. We'll probably get it up 36 hours from whenever I post this first one, so hopefully by about midday Sunday, I'll get the next one up for your listening pleasure. Be sure to tune in, and you'll be able to hear Andrew and I talk about the rest of these players, including a couple guys that Andrew has inside his top 10 that are not going anywhere near it. All right. Until then, take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show take a moment rate us on iTunes once again please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook 
That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 